Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Designs Podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Pauls, and today I've got Matthew Phillips. He's with Dialogue Semiconductor, and we're going to talk about uh, Internet of Things infrastructure, smart home infrastructures, and, and uh, they tend to be wireless mostly, don't they, Matthew? Hi, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, very glad to be here. Oh, glad to have you here. But as I was saying, it seems like the burden is on wireless systems because a lot of these devices are either remote or portable, right? Uh, yes, I think that's true. I think wireless has a, a tremendous role to, pay, to play in, uh, in the Internet of Things. Um, and as you say, uh, many endpoints are in, uh, perhaps difficult to get to places. Uh, they may not have power easily. They may have to get power from it. From, from sources like solar cells or, or other energy harvesting means. And, and so uh, low power of operation, I think, is critical, and, and wireless so that you can, uh, you can get to places that are difficult with more fixed types of infrastructure. Um, so certainly um, wireless is, is important. And then again, also user interaction from handheld devices, and that, again, leads people to using wireless because that's convenient for, for, for handheld products. So I think, um, as you say, the Internet of Things will rely on wireless connectivity in many different facets of its overall uh, implementation. Right. Well, and, and actually, Matthew, I'm very glad that you really went into that because I think it's a very important facet to emphasize to our audience that it's not just about portability. It's also about access. There are a lot of tethered applications or quasi-tethered because they're a physically fixed application, but that cannot be connected to hardwire assets, and or the, attaching that hardwire might be prohibitively expensive. Like, uh, And that extends even to industrial, trying to retrofit a factory to be intelligent. You need wireless systems because just the cost of recabling makes the savings moot. That, that's, yes, that's certainly true, and I think you... You can see that even in just the rollout of, of how the Internet rolls out around the world. You know, there are places where fixed-line infrastructure is, is very expensive and still not, uh, uh, not perhaps possible, and wireless has filled the gap. And it can do the same thing on a much smaller scale within buildings and, and, uh, and within people's homes and, as you say, in, within industrial plants. And uh, it's just a matter of choosing the right wireless technologies that fit the particular application that you have. Of course, I, I don't believe that one size fits all, so um, there will be a, a, a number of different wireless technologies deployed, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, um, in some cases, um, uh, technologies that we have within Dialog are, are very suitable, and I think that, uh, that particularly feeds into when you're going to use some smart devices as the... Um, data retrieval and access method uh, because uh, those those products already have certain wireless technologies built in. Agreed. Now, Matthew, what are some of the hurdles that confront the designer in a system? I mean, it's not like, as you were saying, it's not a one-size-fits-all, so that means it's also not just simply opening up the top of the box, throwing in a chip and slapping the lid closed. There are things to consider, and there are issues that one must confront. What are some of the more common ones that you find when dealing in this space? Um, well, I think um, you can look at – there are obviously products um, which essentially um, evolve with wireless uh, at their heart, 
and 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 you can think of some of the newer things like um, the wearable devices that people have been uh, that are much talked about at the moment. Essentially, those products start from the premise that there's going to be a wireless device within them, and then how they evolve essentially is around the fact that there's there's wireless embodied within them. But I think also as we look at the Internet of Things, we have to consider there are a large number of devices which currently today um, are not connected in some way, but they, they provide a useful function, a, a useful service, but you know, they're not connected into the larger Internet or the, uh, the Internet of Things. And, and there you're ad adding the wireless as a connectivity technology, maybe into something that ha it already pre-exists. And so you have to consider how can we do that without um, having to start from the ground up and re-engineering the whole, the whole product. How can we add the wireless in a simple and effective way? And that can be um, software integration as well as, as well as hardware integration. And also, um, again, power considerations. You know, it, 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 it's no good if your wireless technology is going to take three times the amount of power of your original product because you've then got to re-engineer the whole um, power arrangements probably. So y y you need the wireless. Exactly. You need the wireless to fit into the existing product in the, in the, the space constraints, the power constraints, and and still and and be able to in, uh, also implement your software in a way that um, gives to the user then a new user experience, but but one that keep you know maintains being intuitive and easy to use and so on. Well, and I agree with that completely. So now, Matthew, how does that? manifest itself in some products from Dialog? I mean, how is Dialog addressing that? Um, well, first of all, uh, our particular um, area, uh, product that we're, um, we're uh, actively engaged in, in developing and, and, and promoting, uh, which does have impact in the Internet of Things, is a technology called Bluetooth Smart. Mm -hmm. Now, Bluetooth Smart is... Um, a recent addition to the Bluetooth specification. So I think people are very familiar with Bluetooth over you know, 10, 10 or more years now in terms of things like um, Bluetooth headsets connecting to phones and, and Bluetooth speakers. What Bluetooth Smart does is it adds a, um, a, a somewhat modified version of the protocol to the standard and it allows Bluetooth to be operated um, with products that are sending small amounts of data um, but doing it in a very, very power-efficient way. Um, and, uh, and so this opens the, the, the possibility of connecting things like wearable devices which you know, have very small batteries or um, you know, remote sensors around a building which maybe are battery-powered and you don't want to be changing the batteries all the time. Um, so they've got to last for you know potentially years uh, without changing batteries, and this is where Bluetooth Smart differentiates itself from the the standard Bluetooth specification that was published some time ago. Right. Well, now within I, that, I, if sorry, I may jump um, in, just, to, I, just just for a little yeah, bit of clarification for my sake, and you know maybe yeah. someone out in the audience also has this question: is how would you differentiate Bluetooth Smart from Zigbee? Is it uh, simply the bandwidth or are there other uh, factors? Well, um, Bluetooth Smart uses the same uh, radio channels as Bluetooth. It uses the same uh, over-air modulation, and it uses a number of 
the pro reuses some of the protocol layers of Bluetooth. So it is inherently a subset of the overall Bluetooth standard. Um, it still uses 2.4 gigahertz, and that's the same as Zigbee, but you know the Zigbee modulation method is different, and the um, the data structures and the Mac is different. I think right. um, one of the nice things about Bluetooth Smart is that all of the smart devices which have come out over the last few years, you know, um, uh, uh, devices based on iOS, iPhones, and, and iPads, and Android, and Windows, all of those now incorporate Bluetooth Smart functionality within them when you buy them from, from the store. So the access device and the, the user interface to intelligent smart devices around your home is already there and it's, it's the device that you carry with you most of the time or, or, all day already. And I think that mm -hmm. really gives Bluetooth Smite quite an interesting um, feature when it comes to talking about uh, Internet of Things and smart homes and, and so on. Right. Now, um, can you tell us some of the other functionalities of the dialogue products in the smart Bluetooth series? I mean, obviously, sure. since you're talking about the different ways it can be applied, there are obviously some gradations within the product family, right? Yes. So, so the, the, I should explain that um, dialogue has um, really aimed to, to move the state of the art forward from existing suppliers uh, in terms of size, in terms of um, circuit complexity and in, um, and in terms of power consumption in particular. So we looked at Bluetooth Smart and its particular very strong um, emphasis is on lowest possible power of operation. Um, and it does that by intelligently not switching the radio on very often, only enough to create the communication uh, link and, and pass the data that's necessary to pass and by allowing periods of sleep and keeping things in standby um, as much as possible, then um, you can get a device which has very, very low power requirements. But above and beyond that, in our particular chip, we focused on power reduction. So our current device, which is in uh, production and, and, uh, and shipping, uses half the power when fully active of any of our um, competitors. Um, so we've aimed to be best in class in terms of power by at least half the, uh, the other competitors and then also a very, very small footprint. And um, our device itself, it can be very tiny, 2.5 by 2.5 millimeters in its smallest package. So you can imagine you can make something extraordinarily small. You can power it from a coin cell for a number of years and, and you can create communication with that and use that um, to feed data either to a, just a, a data collection device which is locally uh, present or, you could, of course, once you can get that data into uh, a gateway into the Internet of Things and so on and into the cloud and you can collect data and have that uh, device connectable across the whole of the Internet uh, potentially. Well, and that's great because obviously the connectivity is key, the functionality is key. Well, the, the infrastructure simply is, the, the system won't work without it, obviously. Now, um, one of the things that I was curious about, the way you talk about it, you, that means that some of your more lower power devices could actually also be suited well for energy harvesting applications as well, 
I mean, so that not necessarily running for long-term app like a meter that's got to be attached to a lithium thionyl chloride battery for 10 years, but maybe a device that's got to store up for a burst every hour from just, you know, stored and yes, vibrations that's right. or something. No, that's right. We, um, I mean, one of the things we've done with the device, there has been much talk around in the industry about um, the use of uh, Bluetooth Smart 4 beacons. I mean, there's, there's the... There's the, the iBeacon uh, system uh, from, from Apple, and then there are other, other similar types of things um, using slightly different uh, technology, but all are based around Bluetooth Smart. And people are looking at those to, to advise you when, you come in to, when you're near to something. So if you walk into a store and they have special offers, they can tell you about them, or there's a payment, you can use them for e-payments or... Um, information in in lots of places that we walk that we we interact with and we walk around now uh, of course if these deploy in the numbers that um they potentially could and are expected um that is an awful lot of batteries to then have to replace periodically um and so we've developed uh, a reference design which we which we release to customers which essentially uses a small solar cell it's only about two and a half um, centimeter square so what's that that's probably just over an inch on on each side um, square and uh, that can operate uh, fully as a beacon with with all of the features necessary um, just in indoor lighting conditions just in standard ordinary indoor lighting and indeed it can continue to operate the particular design we've implemented for a couple of hours um, in complete darkness and then if if you, the lights are out for longer than a couple of hours it'll go into a standby mode and then as soon as the light comes on it's ready to start again um, and start doing the beaconing function so that, I think that's, that's um, you know, potentially quite an interesting development because obviously not having to change batteries and not having to plug it in and just being able to essentially stick it on the wall and then move it around as you need it is quite powerful for the way that these beacons um, will be utilized and, and implemented. Got it, got it. And then, again, the, the beautiful part about it is there are a lot of uh, alternatives out there. I mean, there are, there are energy harvesting electrical mechanical switches for light, uh, to send light beams, and uh, companies like Simbet with uh, chip scale onboard batteries, which are almost to yep. the point where they're really just sophisticated supercapacitors almost, but <laughs> essentially a lot of low-level onboard energy storage. I think the, the between the uh, user side, like the dialogue high-efficiency technologies, and then the supplier side, like some of these more exotic technologies that are only just now beginning to start to mature, I think we're going to see some very interesting devices in a few years. Yes, yes. Um, another area where um, Bluetooth Smart is implemented um, is actually in the area of uh, wireless charging which is quite interesting. Um, the uh, Reliance or A4WP standard actually uses uh, Bluetooth Smart to um, communicate between the charger and the, the item being charged to, um, for example, uh, know, so the charger knows the battery temperature so it doesn't overcharge and cause you know, and there's any potential safety hazard and um, the optimum charging currents and powers and and so on, and, and Bluetooth is used to um, provide that information. Um, now, why I mention it is because if you imagine a device in which the battery is flat, 
you know, how do you actually then get it to communicate as you, when you want to charge it with the charger to say, I need to be charged and these are my parameters. And so because we can utilize very, very small amounts of energy with our device, if our device is built into the product that is going to be charged, there's enough residual energy in a flat battery for us to be able to start up and make the data communication and kick-start the charging process. And then once the charging process starts, of course, then the battery will start to recover its energy and eventually the product will be able to power itself up and and you can start using it again. But I think that's another interesting thing, that um, the wireless communication can still be achieved even when all the rest of a subsystem is actually dead because its power source is exhausted because it is using really, really small amounts of energy, you know, microcoulombs of energy to, to, uh, to work, or microcoulombs of charge, I should say, to, to, to operate. Well, you know, Matthew, when, and when you say it like that, microcoulombs and all of these, I just flashed for a moment. We're simultaneously talking about things using the Greek prefixes that we couldn't imagine on the data side, yada bytes and petabytes and all, and on the microelectronics, we're using these micro-scale figures that we never thought we'd be using, you know, nano-amps. Who would even have thought? Go ahead, you were saying, Matthew? No, no, I was just commenting, no, you're absolutely right, that's an interesting observation. Sorry, I interrupted your train of thought. Oh, please, not even a problem, you're the guest here. And actually... This does remind me, we have been chatting for quite a bit, and this is a podcast, so before I run out our audience's patience, I'm going to go ahead and let's close out this episode, but you've been such a fascinating guest, Matthew. We've got to drag you back and talk some more, all right? Uh, yes, that, that would be great, and uh, I, I didn't touch on you know, how Bluetooth Smart can then do more comprehensive networking with IPv6 and other things, but I'm sure we can talk more about that another time. Well, actually, you have a moment to give us a quick one on that because I always give my guests <clears throat> the last word in my podcast. So you can actually say that right now, or you could give the <laughs> okay. audience a tip or talk about well, the market, the... but this is your time. Okay. So I think um, we talked about sort of um, energy-efficient individual nodes. Uh, I think our next, um, in, our, in our vision at least, the next step is to then – be able to take IP traffic all the way to those tiny endpoints, give them, give them intelligence to process its packets, and give them a communications channel that can route those IP packets. And all of that potentially um, is possible with Bluetooth Smart uh, as we look to the future. And I think that will extend the Internet of Things tremendously and extend the applications that people can use with it. Excellent. And, and that's the whole key, right? If the system's not intelligent, it's not as effective, and if it's not communicating with all of its subsystems, it's not truly intelligent. That, that's true, and I think we see the universal connectivity, definitely the path that, that you know, clearly um, everything will be connected eventually, and, 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 and that will give us access to the data, that, big data that we, we can't possibly imagine at the moment to, to help people in their daily lives to make things more energy efficient, and, and to, you know, to, to advance the, the whole way that we live. So I think it's, uh, it's a massive uh, potential, and it, it's a very, very exciting place to, to work just at the moment. 
I agree with you completely, Matthew. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to come to the show. And like I said, I will be dragging you back. So I'm just going to say farewell for now instead of goodbye. Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed. Oh, pleasure Bye-bye. is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Don Power. Have a great day.